Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome one and all, weaves and casuals alike. We are Baka and Company, and we're here to provide you with a deep dive into all your favorite anime shows and movies. We'll talk about both new and old animes and everything in between. If you have suggestions, please send them our way by either giving us a tweet over at Bakako Podcast or sending us an email at bakakopodcast at gmail.com. On the show, we have myself, Drutendo64, Element, and Frank Furter. And this week, we are talking about Night is Short, Walk on Girl. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, <laughs> it's a yes. film. It's not actually a series. Uh, it was made in 2017. It's a romantic comedy directed by Masasaki uh, Uesa, and I should have practiced that name before reading it out loud. Uh, the film is based, however, on a 2006 novel of the same name, written by Tomihiko Morimi, and illustrated by Yusuke Nakamura. Uh, he also served as the film's original character designer. The film was released in North America as The Night is Short, Walk on Girl, with a leading article added. Uh, but other English-speaking regions had without the the in parentheses. Uh, it's also been awarded the grand prize for best animated feature in the Ottawa International Animation Festival and the Japan Academy Prize for Animation of the Year. It's technically a spiritual sequel to Tatami Galaxy, which is a novel based and written uh, by Morimi and directed by Yuesa. Uh, though they do share Kyoto University as a setting and some of the characters, the part, the plot lines, not part lines, plot lines are largely unrelated. So uh, I did look at some of the artwork and it does look really interesting. It's just uh, I didn't have time to get into it. And one of my favorite fun facts for this one is uh, the production of the series had its soundtrack de 
designed, wow, uh, made by Australian artist Kevin Penkin. Wait, really? Kevin! We got another Kevin Penkin in the house! Yeah. He, wait, did he make the movie or the TV show? I mean, the anime. Uh, wait, Kevin Penkin? He did the audio. Like, he did the music. Yeah, he did the audio. Yeah, yeah no, but are you saying for Tatami Galaxy or are you saying for the movie? No, no, movie. for the movie. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's sick. I love camping. Legit, um, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna jump into one thing, let's just let's just hop straight into this one. All right, the music, <laughs> the music. Kevin Pinkin's a goddamn genius. All right, I don't care who you are. <laughs> Fucking anything he does, anything oh. he touches is just gold. Hey guys, hey yes. guys. That was that was. <laughs> it's a paragraph left over from last week. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't delete I the paragraphs say, properly. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I know his discography, and I did not say this movie. No. Uh, okay, that's my bad. Oh, sound was also very different, so that's why I was so surprised because it was like, damn it! No, hold on, hold on. Music at here we go. I'm bad. Music by Michiru Oshima, who also did. Let's scroll down because it's, it's Legend of Lagaya. Uh, where else do we got? Uh, Wow, there's a lot of drama in there. Godzilla yeah, in Chicago. A lot of, a lot of video game stuff, it looks Yeah, like. a lot of video games. Um, Bloom Into You, Ride Your Wave, Little Witch, Academia. So there we go. Um, Sound of hmm. the Sky, which I watched a really long time ago. He also did uh, the original, the Tatami Galaxy. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, there you go. Yeah, I'm sort of and the original Full Metal Galaxy. Alchemist. I've I've seen like clips and stuff of it, but I've never watched it. Did it just yeah, I I've been interested in watching it. I just haven't gotten around to I'm it. Sure even though you know you, you love the the movie, I'm sure you'd like the show as well. I think oh, I'm, I guarantee you, I probably would. But yeah, like I just it's one of those things. Like even though I've been kind of binging shows left and right here, I have not settled in to watch that. I don't know if it's because I keep forgetting about it, or if it's because it's like one of those things like. I don't want to binge it. I want to like make it last because like that's mm. how I'm like. Right. There's a few shows on my list right now that I'm like watching that are I'm just making it last because I'm enjoying the ride. Also, I want to say but, you called it a you called the movie a uh, romantic comedy, and I feel like that's a gross over oversimplification. <laughs> yeah, that I would say a romantic adventure <clears throat> with more comedy. I think than romance I was comedy expecting. is. Romance comedy is a good tag, um, but I would definitely call it like an, a, a fantasy adventure as well as that. Um, can we can we just call it like a romantic fantasy romp? Because romantic like, fantasy romp, yeah, R O M P romp. I'm trying to think like because like a good, this a good analog to this would be like maybe um, that movie Starlight, you know, the one where Robert De Niro is like a pirate captain. I've never seen it. I'm sorry. Oh, it's a banger movie. But <laughs> it's sort of like um I'm trying Yeah, it's still got like the fantasy adventures like the cool 2007 Stardust? Stardust, that's the one. Still never seen it. Romantic fantasy adventure is what it's considered. Okay. There you go. Michelle yeah, Pfeiffer. I... Yeah, oh, boy. The cast is insane no. for that one. Anyway, we're not talking about that. Um No, no, no. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, just jumping into it. Sorry, Kevin Pinkin. I, I, I appreciate the work you do, but the, yeah, the music in this is fucking fantastic. Like everybody's got their own theme and any, any time like they come on camera, it's like their theme comes up. 
mm-hmm. and it's in like there isn't a bad like musical score like oh god it's so good um just... i i know i feel like i'm the one that always gushes over the music and in, in shows movies whatever we watch like i feel like i'm the one that like normally brings that type of thing up i let you take the lead on that because i always talk about the animation but i love the music just as much um, oh yeah so. it it got me like when you sent us the trailer the first time that was the first thing that caught me like even though the animation is standout and it's vibrant and it's fun and everyone has like fluid movement like every cell is animated it feels and there's no movie movie quality this is yeah like... yeah but exactly. even even in terms of movie quality this is like because of the style it is it's um it just feels very uh yeah incredibly forward um very yeah. very very strikes the eye very nicely like there's yeah. there's images here that could just flat out be wallpapers like yep. mm-hmm. you could you could probably take almost and i'm using the term broadly almost any scene in this movie and just make it a, a great phone background or a great like just image on your computer and not to take away that away from the film to say hey these are great still images and they should be like used to fill up a, a void no like i found from the beginning of the movie choosing their setting choosing the angles having the um you have the main character uh who is called the girl with black hair um her and her friends t- talking and reminiscing but then you also have the senpai and his friends at the other table with their their plans on how the senpai is gonna like coincidentally run into her and make her fall in love and having two distinct like kind of not styles but mannerisms and having when her and her friends drink they're drinking wine they're kind of drinking it back slowly whereas when him and his buddies drink a beer like you see it like go down their neck hit their stomach they bulge out and they they slam their beer on the table one another and it's like a whole fiasco and just having those two differences like again first 15 minutes of the film i'm like i'm in i'm hooked it's just incredibly i think the whole every aspect of the film is incredibly creative um there's a lot of there's a lot of freshness there um Mm -hmm. so it's it's not never boring to watch because it's never um never predictable i think um also the in terms of like we're talking about animation and the art style, um, the thing I noticed that really stood out to me, and this is the same thing they did for Tatami Galaxy, so I think it's just the the artist style. But you know, all the backgrounds are drawn fairly realistically, like how you'd see in a mm-hmm. normal anime, and then yep. all the characters are completely flat, non shaded two D characters, which is very unusual for anime because normally you have like shading and stuff like that to give yep. characters depth. Um, and also the art style in general, they look like they're from those paintings, um, like yeah. the, I can't remember the name of the era, but Kabuki like, paintings. Yeah. Those sort of, those sort of paintings. Um, I, yeah. I can't remember the name of the era. So like, well, especially the, the one friend, uh, he's got the green jacket and the big jaw. Like he stood out to me. I was like, yes, he's right. modeled, he's modeled after, a um, there's a name for it. <laughs> I'm forgetting the name for all this stuff. It's like a Japanese goblin, but they wear a red mask with the pointy red nose. Oh, um, Gen- is it Genbu? Yes. That does that sound sounds, familiar. That sounds right. That sounds yeah, right. He's, um, he's he's meant to look like that. I think they refer to him as that in the movie. Yeah, it's like a type I, of I, demon. 
I'm pretty sure they they reference him as that as well. Um, I do want to point out because we haven't really said anything about it. I don't think. Uh, Silver Lobo Sensei bullshit missed me with that. Uh, he is <laughs> not on this episode uh, today. He's having internet problems, so we can't really record with him. He did give us his thoughts though on it, and he did say that his favorite character is that uh that giant jawed man. Oh, mm. cool! Uh, like, yeah, he's which a good character. I. I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that like he is a great <gasps> character. I really love him in the movie, but like probably not my favorite. I I think I like the uh god what his the Captain Underpants guy. Um Don Underwear. Yes, Don Underwear. I I think his character and his development is fantastic. I love the main girl like I she's great. She just perfect character. Love her. Um, but yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of throw it out there since you guys were throwing it like out that character of just like, Hey, this is, you know, them like that was, that was Lobo's favorite character (laughs) of the show. Mm. So, um, but yeah, he, he, as I said, he did leave us a few notes, uh, just kind of the top end of it. He says, uh, it's a weird, crazy ride that went all over the place. I constantly question if it was still the same night. I love the drinking challenge in the beginning and the book fair stuff. So let's, let's (gasps) stop there. Let's stop there. This this is one of my talking points because uh, uh, for the the entire movie is I lo- like there have been movies that have tried to like pivot on plot like not necessarily once but like multiple times because this movie pivots plots like mm-hmm. four times. Mm-hmm. It felt like um when three or four different episodes. I think it's I think yeah arcs. it's three I think it's three times because it's the first one is the drinking and out drinking the guy who makes the like underground liquor yeah, well, in his like retrieving the book and the yeah the book is, is the second one the, the play the stage play yeah I guess and four I guess you the could fourth te- one you is could te- the sick stuff yeah, yeah I was gonna say you could technically yeah. do the fourth with the everybody getting sick it's sort of like um, an epilogue yeah <laughs> yeah um. But, like, there have been so many movies, like, not so many, but there have been a few movies that I've seen that have tried changing the plot for either, A, comedic purposes like that, or just because they don't know what the movie is. I think this is probably, like, the most well-done plot-changing movie I've ever seen. Like, because the transitions between both things are fluid, they're not... They are a little far fetched. I mean, the going from drinking to the train book, uh, that's a little far fetched. But at the same time, it's pretty funny. Um, but I feel like the the plot going from part two to three is pretty good, pretty fluid, and then part three to four is pretty fluid as well. But uh, yeah, I I just adore this movie and each and every plot that they throw out there because they're all. They all feel genuine and funny in their own right. Oh, yeah, I... Sorry. No, no, no. No, Go ahead. Well, you have three or four. You go first. I'll go second. Okay. I found that, unlike other series or movies, there wasn't really a character I didn't like. Even though, like, the old man is portrayed as to be the villain and he hoards this secret drink that nobody can have, like he had a he was endearing. He was like really cute when he when they go back and he's sick and like it was one of the few film I walked away feeling better from. Hmm. Also, 
I would like to mention that old man who is playing the villain uh, also says the title of the film in the fourth act, and I and it's like it's that Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme, like oh my god, he said the plot, he said the title of the movie. <laughs> oh, um, so good. So yeah, I wanted what Frank was saying about the transitions. I felt like they were pretty jarring i think there was an attempt made there to sort of make them flow together but it's still pretty much like okay you beat the boss next and like there was some like the whole movie is wacky don't get me wrong and i think this is why it wasn't so egregious because you're just in that mindset of like well shit i guess this is what's happening now i guess i'll keep watching you know it's not it's the movie makes no attempt at being like grounded in reality for the most part so you sort of just accept when the crazy shit happens yeah um i think like the the transitions transitions between the arcs are sort of like uh very loose um but it's okay because i think um just the wackiness of the movie as a whole it sort of works within that um what was i gonna say well Uh, real quick while you think of what you're gonna say um that's why i threw out the word romp earlier is because it's such a wacky insane fun movie that it's just like it's just a wild romp like it's a good term in my opinion for for this movie it's just a fun wild romp through the city one night yeah but Um, i don't remember what i was gonna say but i think i agree with you i think this movie was very different and i think tatami galaxy is a little bit like this as well from what i remember reading about it and stuff like that but um it sort of throws, uh, you know, reality and logic out more for the fantastical nature of things and just getting to the important parts of the story and character moments. It doesn't make an attempt to try and ground itself at all, which I think works for it because if it tried, it would just then come across as really weird and janky, I think. Um, I feel like you've probably seen a show do that where they're pretty grounded and then something crazy happens and then they try and return to reality and it's like, well, we're just not going to address the insane thing that just happened. Uh, yeah. Whereas this movie okay. is just like, we're insane the whole time and it's just going to get more insane. So, you know, strap in up. for the ride. Yeah. Just strap in for the ride or don't watch it all. And I think, I think that was the best decision they could make. And obviously it was intentional. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also those, uh, those paintings I was talking about. They're called yeah. ukiyo-e paintings. They're from the Edo. Okay. Mm. Yeah. I, uh, good old grade 10 art class kicking into my head <laughs> saying, yes, that's what it is. Yes. So that, that they remind, especially the, the, um, the, the jaw guy, um, him specifically, his design is incredibly similar to the paintings from that era. Um, it's so awesome. Remind me. Yeah. So, um, one thing I do kind of want to touch upon real quick, like we we say that like the plot changes every you know probably what fifteen minutes th- or four, twenty minutes maybe because it's what an hour and a half I think. Yeah, how long was the movie? So I didn't look at the. the uh, hold on. I can get it. I have the box in front of me. If I don't just destroy my desk, mm-hmm. uh, it was it was prob- it did feel like probably twenty minutes. I think per arc, maybe ninety three minutes. Yeah. Okay. So it's about an hour. It was an uh, hour and a half. Yeah. Ninety. Okay. So ninety-three divided by four. It's a little over twenty minutes in arc. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Plus credits. Which, which is which was perfect. It was like an episode of TV each arc. Which yeah. 
it worked for this movie. Um, but the one thing that I do want to talk about, and like they not only just change plots, they loved, 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 and I love this because I love just sorry, I just said love a lot right there. <laughs> um I like stand up comedy and just to me it always it always gets me when they reuse a joke or they call back a joke from earlier in the set. They absolutely in this movie love repurposing characters. You see mm-hmm. the characters in the first plot line, and then you see them again repurposed completely in the second one. And then if you didn't see them in the second one, they are repurposed in the third one. And then everybody, you see everybody at the in the fourth act. But like, I'm trying to think: is there are there any characters that we get introduced to, uh, in Act Two, Three, or Four that are not there in Act One? Like, do we literally get the entire cast of the whole movie in Act One? I don't remember. We get- well, what about the the seniors that get excited about the drinking game? That's Act One. Yeah, yep, that's and Act then One. We have we have uh, the old, for lack of a better time uh, term, hentai collector. <laughs> yeah, he's yep. he's in he's in Act One. Yeah, he's I'm he's also in the rest else. of the movie. Like Don Underwear's back. The the uh, the um the president guy. He yeah. is at the end of Act One, right? Yep. And then even her friends, even her friends that she goes to the wedding for, they're back. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're all there. Also, yeah. wait, real quick, who were the characters that they did the food eating competition with? It was Don Underwear, the the guy trying to get the book, and like the main yes. guy. Yeah. And yeah, then the, who were the other two? The other two were specific to that one scene. Scene. I don't okay. think they showed up. So in those probably Trump, were the... Introduced. Yeah. The, those two were probably the only characters that weren't introduced in Act One, and if they were, they were so minor you didn't even recognize them. Yeah, um, but you're totally right about the. I think that's something I really enjoyed the movie because I remember when we were watching it, I'm like, "Holy shit, is he her dad?" And he totally was. Like, yep. Um, all of the characters which we get introduced to in Act One, you know, come back throughout the movie, and they're all linked mm-hmm. together. Like, even though the storylines are so, especially in Act One, it's very every storyline is very completely different and separate. And it seems like all isolated incidents. You quickly realize that everyone, and it makes sense because they're all in the same town in the same district. Uh, Everyone is all there and they're all like uh, linked to each other in some way, like whether they're related or they're getting married or they're like ex ex partners, neighbors, friends, whatever it is, or they're part of the same club. Everyone's like linked together in that way. Um, Yeah. So I thought that was, was it made it very fun to watch and sort of like in my head think, I wonder if he's related to, yep, he totally is. And um, <laughs> that was very satisfying. Did we get um, Princess Daruma in Act 1? Did Don Underwear explain that backstory or was that later? No, he he, he did no, not. He's, he's writing it in Act 1 and we don't really yes. know why. Yes. So well, I, I thought that's... he was just drinking in Act 1. Like he was oh, just yeah, drinking sorry, at the table. Is, yeah. I we remember, don't see him again until Act 3. Yeah, I remember that stood out to me. It's funny that stood out to me because I remember when he gives us the backstory of Princess Daruma and how they met with the apple hitting him on the head or whatever it was. I remember that mm-hmm. being, you know, a funny side story. And then when she comes back as, like, a main, like, the main driving force behind his whole plot line, I realized that, like, that's the first time that that character, uh, we haven't had that character for the whole movie, but it's still important now. Whereas every other character we've had since Act One, I just it was just a thing that I that stood out to me in the moment um, that was different to all the other characters. I think maybe Which, that's hold the on. Now that we talk about this, I think I'm a big dumb idiot. Um, 
in act one when they're sitting at the table drinking and everything and he's mm-hmm. saying like oh i've been following this girl around like in just coincidence and everything else like when he's telling the table that at yes. the table is him don underwear and then the third guy which was like the president of like the security club or whatever is he the president and the pre- guy? i think i think it is because that's hilarious that those two were sitting next to each other at dinner and this guy so spoilers oh. here spoilers here don underwear fall like fell in love with a girl in which like an apple hit them in the head at the same time like they were doing a play apple hits him in the head at the same time and like he fell in love but they never saw each other again mm-hmm. and uh at the conclusion of the play uh this person dressed up in like as a princess or whatever comes out on stage and is like i'm sorry i was the one but i am a dude i'm your friend and that dude was i'm pretty sure the he was the security of like or the, he was like the head of the security club at their college or whatever so he's like trying to stop this play and everything else that's all the ruckus going on throughout the night and i'm pretty sure he was the one sitting at the table next to them at the in act 1 and that's hilarious that he didn't like say anything sooner hmm yeah i'm trying to remember who was at the table Oh yeah, there were three. There I were just, three people at the table. I just I just looked it up on YouTube, uh, and in one frame, the security like he's wearing the purple jacket. That's why you can recognize him. Oh my him. god, he's oh. at the table, and the guy's like explaining his strategy about how he like approaches girls, which is the wait and see strategy. I think, <laughs> which by the way, relatable. terrible, terrible approach. Yes, highly relatable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oof. Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah, this guy's approach to picking up this girl is to be at the. Uh, I think Element explained it earlier. Uh, be at the same place she is coincidentally and just say hi, but like, don't make yeah. any sort of move. Just you know, keep explaining it just off with coincidence, there. and eventually they'll be. Uh, they'll be like, "Oh, this is fate." Yep. Which it's yeah, a ridiculous way to go about things. If you aren't aware, <laughs> a wee bit, but it, it is what it is. Um. But yeah, no, I love that they repurpose characters. Like the old man is like the villain in the first thing, or like the first act in which they have to out drink him, but nobody can out drink him. And then in the second act, he's the villain again, in which he's like hoarding all these rare books. And I think he's not he's not the villain in Act Three. He doesn't appear in Act Three, but in Act Four, he appears as like this, you know, just like this old man that's just sick that needs attention to. Um, but like all the characters agreed are super endearing. I love that they repurpose them for different roles from like act one or act two. Um, I also just thought of a character that is introduced in act two that isn't in any of the rest of the movie. And that is the, uh, the little book, the little book gremlin fairy thing. Oh, okay. He's the only other character that Mm -hmm. I can think of off the top of my head that isn't in any of the rest of the movie. Which his character is hilarious because he plays off being a child because he's so short because he's like a little fairy thing. And he always just ends up smushing his ice cream cone into the main character guy's dick. And it's just fucking hilarious. Like, just coincidental, he's, just stupid. He's based on like humor. a kappa or something, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, that's what it is. He's based yep. off like a kappa. Yeah. Yeah, cool little but, character. And again like adds to the the fantastical nature of the movie when there's like literally a god interacting with the main character and like (laughs) genuinely like some crazy magic stuff going on so yeah it's all just you know par for the course of this movie i think 
Yeah, but that character, like, it wasn't a throwaway character either. Like, it was, they, they, like, made it so that they were interacting with the two main characters, the girl and the guy. The guy more so just to kind of impede him, and then the girl, like, hey, help me, like, help me fix the prices of all these books. Books should be enjoyed by all and everything else, and that kind of, like, is another plot line towards that act, too. And I, I don't know, just, yeah, every, every, ugh. I I can gush about this movie for a while, but goddamn, mm-hmm. that like the, those characters are great, and the fact that they th- they don't introduce new characters often outside of Act One is even better. So, but um, I guess I can continue with uh, more of Silver's thoughts or Silver Lobo's thoughts. Sure. Uh, Silver Lobo Sensei. Silver Lobo Sensei. That sounds weird coming out of my mouth. Um, he says the traveling play lost me until the end. The town getting sick was my favorite. Uh, seeing all the people <laughs> involved and how these interactions with the black-haired girl connect them uh, is a great ending to a crazy fun movie. Mm-hmm. And and I agree. Like the the traveling play kind of happens out of nowhere and it is very random, but like it's still probably my favorite act of them all it's my because it is that the it book is fair. i would say the first and third act are my favorite because the third act is definitely the funniest and the first act is just the catalyst to everything um but i yeah i could agree with him that like that that play act can really be hit and miss to people and i can totally see that because it does come out of nowhere kind of I found I found it so random and so fun because then you start piecing things together and you start realizing that there's things happening besides the main character's storyline. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. see all these little threads and your things are connecting and and the payoff and I I'm not going to spoil it, but the payoff for that whole thing is just magical. Like it's you you think you see one thing, you get the other and it's great. So I think I said this at the end of our Maiden Abyss episode when I was talking, like giving like the the one two about this movie is like, it's a really bizarre, random, fun movie, and then it's perfectly wrapped up in the last five minutes. A hundred percent, yes. Yeah, that that last epilogue is um excellent. I think for the movie, like we're talking about, how every arc seems like, or at least to me, uh, every arc was a complete capsule i guess and then there was like a loose transition to try and get them to the next arc which sort of could have made it feel a bit disjointed which it was but it sort of worked in the movie because of how ridiculous it was uh that epilogue was like it swung the other way in that it perfectly demonstrated all the little connections that she formed over the course of the movie and wrapped up everything in a nice little bow um yeah it it definitely brought everything around like uh full circle from act one and what the message was there and what the the goal was from act one yeah because because i mean think back to like what what the plot was for that one not necessarily the drinking but like the characters like intentions and it just kind of brings it full circle from there and i i I really love that like it, it lost its focus but then at the very last minute or like you know it kind of brought it all together yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, so Act Two was the you know, follow the fair. senpai at the book fair, right? As well as her, but mostly him. 
as he was trying to do like the 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 food challenge to get the her childhood book back. Um, Which goddamn that food challenge. Yeah, that was that was <laughs> yes. a great scene. Um I'm trying to think like I remember thinking while we were watching that I didn't like the senpai character because he wasn't really doing much. Like he wasn't being whereas she and I think they talk about it in the movie, but she is very much like uh she's always leading. Like nothing ever happens to her necessarily. She's always finding the next thing to do and people are just following her because she has that quality about her. I think she, the senpai comments about it actually, which starts sort of like you know, a key point of her character. And it's very, very fun to watch, very endearing. Um, it's a really nice character trait. And then the senpai is like the opposite in that things keep happening to him and he just has to keep reacting like he loses his underpants or whatever and he gets stuck drinking with the, the old pervy guy and they have to go to this meeting and then all this other stuff. Uh, and he gets knocked into the water and he goes underwater and <laughs> finds the security HQ and they show her, show him where she is and how to get her with the book and all that sort of stuff. Like everything's sort of happening to him. And I felt like that was uh, like in the moment I was like sort of getting frustrated with the fact that he wasn't doing anything versus her doing, you know, everything like the two polar opposites. But I guess now looking back on it, it's actually like, you know, perfectly written because he keeps reacting to stuff happening to him. And eventually he takes control, I guess, when he goes down to the play, I think, I think that's sort of when he seizes, the moment essentially uh and yeah from then on it's like he changes character and it becomes more fun to watch him um but yeah that's something i noticed while watching that that sentiment forming in my mind yeah i mean i thought he was just kind of like a bumbling character from the mm. first act and then like he kind of gets his shit together a little bit after like instead of just like waiting around for something to happen he actually finally takes action which that starts exactly with that food competition scene but um yeah i like that he doesn't only just lose his pants once but twice <laughs> it's it's a mm-hmm. it's com- it's like common for him like just oh man that to me that was funny um, sir sir invest in suspenders please <laughs> <laughs> well the first time he lost his pants is because he got like mugged by by the old people's like bodyguards i think that's true and then the second time he loses his pants is because the little uh, Kappa runs straight Kid into his Kappa. dick with ice cream. Oh yeah, so and everyone he has thinks the ice... he's yeah, and everyone thinks he's being inappropriate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everybody thinks he's a pervert yeah. trying to like have like the little boy Kappa like yikes touches touches ice cream cone. God. So <laughs> I never want to hear that sentence again. <laughs> 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 Uh, uh but yeah no like the the reoccurring bits in this were, were great um the one thing the last thing that silver Wright wrote and this is something that i i loved and i wanted to bring up and all four of us have been trying to find <laughs> in act two i think she the the main girl plays like a little like the it's a book fair but i think they also had did they have games? Like, I don't know how she came yeah. about it. I don't remember. Or if, like, the Kappa like gave midway, it to her. Right? Was it the Kappa that gave it to her? Or I don't remember. No, so she won it as a prize. Wasn't she doing the, the gunshot thing? Maybe. But either way, she she happens upon a, like, koi fish full, like, body length backpack. And it is the coolest fucking looking thing ever. 
and I like because it's like it's like a vest like for the front and it's kind of got like little sleeves a little bit not really necessarily sleeves but like it's like the holes kind of just like I don't I can't even describe it unless you like look it up but like that backpack is so cool I don't have a use for a backpack right now but I still want it if I find it I'm gonna get it it's very I really stylish am. thing and I feel like it's based on something real like it's it so has specific to be. It yeah, has I just feel to like be. it exists. And if it doesn't, then someone made it for them after seeing the movie. Cause it's, so, it's fun fact, um, I was trying to find it, but I found on Redbubble, which you can put whatever on whatever, mm-hmm. there's a huge market for the Tatami Galaxy um, images on backpacks, and there is one of a fish on one, so there is a fish on a backpack, but it again, we're getting back to where we cannot find a fish shaped backpack yes like she had in the movie also yeah tatami galaxy is like a like a super cult hit like it's very beloved just not like hugely popular just because it's very different but it's definitely like a well-regarded show and known by people so i'm not surprised that uh and obviously the the art style is as striking as the movie so i think it's not surprising that people love that and would want to put it on stuff um, oh yeah, that is like super the only thing I'm finding right now are backpacks that are shaped like fish, and when you open them, it looks like you've filleted the fish, but you can't put your legs through it. Damn. I think <laughs> yeah. with enough time and enough like material, and possibly a sleeping bag as a starter, we could make one. <laughs> it's like so much effort. Yeah. So uh, it is, but like, goddamn, our is Patreon cool? is newly being announced. <laughs> <laughs> you want to fund frank's obsession with getting a fish backpack if i can find it golly i'm sure somebody on etsy i'm sure somebody on etsy makes it or something i don't know that's like the next place i gotta look i I didn't even think to look there but um yeah this this backpack is fucking awesome looking and it just looks cozy yeah it just looks comfy like I don't know. Like it almost reminds me of like a non-creepy version of the Gengar pillow that they just released <laughs> or the Metapod. Yeah, but oh, it's exactly the Metapod except like a backpack and you have <laughs> you can... your, you know, you're not completely inside of it. What we'll do is we'll buy the Metapod, we'll cut arm and leg holes for you in it, we'll dye it pink and that's as close as you're getting. Deal. Wow. I mean, I'll I mean, put I'll... well, I guess it's already got eyeballs on it. I'll take a quote from Firefly. Man walks down the street in that backpack. People know he's not afraid of anything. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Not even in the slightest. But, um, yeah, no, there's... I I don't even remember how she gets it, but she gets this backpack, and it is fucking awesome looking. Did she get it at a carnival game or something? What? She gets it at a carnival game, maybe? Yeah, Yeah, but, like, was was it... Sniping. But was it, like... Was it before Act Two, after Act Two, in Act Two? I it don't was remember. Before when. Act Two, because she showed up to the book book festival with it. Okay. Yeah, that part's like that's enough. I think that was a transition. That was after the drinking contest, and then there was some transition, and I think she went through the the there was like a festival of some sort, and she played some of the games, and she won the backpack, and then she got to the book festival. Like she wandered into the book book festival from the the games area i think because it was all like one big area i think that's what happened that's how they handle the transition hmm 
Okay, because I, I guess maybe I just was a fever dream of just not remembering it because I thought she just talked to her <laughs> friends. I thought she talked to her friends at the river and then she like heard about the train and then that sparked the image of the uh, Tata... Oh, shit, what's the book called? It's like Tata something. Uh, um, the, the, and it's like the little engine that could. Yeah, essentially. And then she's like, oh, where can I find this? And then she goes to like the book fair, or she remembers that there's a book fair, so she goes to try and find it there. I might totally be making up the festival thing. I just, I've seen it in anime so many times, maybe I'm just conflating it with this movie and other shows. Was it was it Ratata? Ratata? Ratatan? Ratatam. Yeah. Ratatam. Yeah. Yep, that's it. We got there. Um, but yeah, no. Uh God, I yeah, the just everything about this movie is great. And the one thing that we really didn't talk about quite yet, um, that I guess is kind of my last talking point. Excuse me. Uh is the use of color. The use of color in this movie is just phenomenal. Uh like it's it's one of the most colorful movies you will ever watch. And not necessarily that they use a ton of different colors, but that they use a lot of bright, outstanding colors that like it sticks in your mind, and they use them over and over and over again. Yeah, I think I think they're able to do this because of the art style they've chosen. So all the characters are two D and flat, and they don't have shading. So when they animate uh, colorful things happening, like fireworks or effects and transitions and stuff, it's all flat two D colors, which is very vibrant, obviously. And then it just fits the world that um, they use these super uh, standout colors um, in the scenes. And it contrasts with the background, so it makes it seem more vibrant and sticks out more. It's very, very beautiful to look at. And I think the artist, I think looking at screenshots of Titani Galaxy, I think it's very similar there. They sort of use the chosen style for the characters and design um, in a very clever way to make colors stand out really beautifully so yeah, it's very pleasing to watch in that oh, way like the book fair alone like i know we keep going back to it but her red dress against the blue sea of books in the forest it's just such a great image like her her red dress makes her pop obviously but i i think the biggest way it drew me into a scene what was the book fair or even just when she's walking around um town in the later later parts trying to do the Bring everyone the soup. Yeah. Um, I, I, the more I think about it, the more things I keep thinking about that I do want to just talk about. And <laughs> so, like, this girl that we've been following all throughout the night is a college student. Mm-hmm. And she's incredibly smart, not because she's also just, A, she's in college, but B, the fucking, the, the uh, plays, the play act. She kind of happens upon, like, they're like, oh, no, our princess got arrested by the security club. We need a new princess. And then she, like, she gets pulled in. They're like, hey, you're going to be our new princess. Here's the script. Memorize this. Or, like, you can have this on stage. And she's, like, just reading it, going along. And she's like, no need to have this on stage. I've memorized it. It's just (laughs) like, what? Yeah, it takes everything in stride. Yeah. Some people just have eidetic memory. I, I, I'd give it to me, please, somehow. Because I wish. But yeah, like, I, I fucking love that she just takes a look at a script for maybe two minutes, gets on stage, and she's like, okay, I'm good to go. I got this. <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, there was that, and then there was something else that I was thinking about, and I just lost it. Um, other than that, that food eating scene, which that food eating scene, is, I, I feel like we haven't talked enough about because of how fucking. Food? Oh yeah. Like, it's not that it's just like, oh, they're just eating a lot of food. So like the the as I said, the like little old man is like the evil person that's hoarding rare books, and uh, eventually. He, like, is holding, like, a black market, like, auction in order to... Essentially, like, an auction is what they said it was uh, in order to get a rare book or, like, you know, buy a rare book. But instead of it being an auction, it's a, it's a food challenge in which they have to eat as much of the spicy food as they can and whoever eats the most wins a book of their, cho- like, choosing. So between the big-jawed person and the main guy and two other characters who bow out pretty early like they're just going like blow for blow eating just like this giant food out of this vat of just spiciness and that alone was funny but like the fact that they show the effects of the spicy food uh, like on them not that they're just sweating but like their lips are inflamed they're like crying they are like every every orifice on them is like soaking out like some sort of like sweat or you know liquid is just hilarious like the way it was all illustrated and everything else is just fantastic to me that that scene is one of my favorite by far and and going back to the discussion about color not only do we get like this reddish pink for when people are are drunk or getting buzzed or drinking like the the difference of how like rosy and how like almost pink the red is when they're eating spicy food and that's the other thing like it it creeps up on them they eventually get the hot lips and yeah for lack of a better term but you also see like it's got the like it's dropping into them like a like a grenade uh and it's just like you you feel hot watching that scene they they do that they they use that color for everything during the movie right like it's not a different color. Oh, it's, it's the same. It's the same the, drink. The pink. Okay. The pink. Yeah, the pink. So yeah, you know, when someone so gets they... drunk, they get pink. When they eat the hot food, they get pink. And at the end, when she falls in love with the senpai, she gets pink. But well, also and, when sorry, when everybody gets when, sick when everyone gets sick. Yeah, sorry. Uh, they get pink, but at the end, that's like the fourth one is that she's fallen in love with the senpai, but also she gets sick, and it's like you know, it's sort of vague yeah. in that sense. But I think that's what they're trying to communicate. Um, which I thought was interesting, just using the same color to represent four different things across the the movie. Yeah, and I I do actually remember the last thing that I did want to talk about, and this is actually a quote from I think it was one of Yuzu, it was either Element or Drew. I want to say it was Element, but um, this is the most anime yet least anime thing we've watched on this podcast. That's true. Because it's that, but that's true. I, it is the most anime in which it is off the walls bonkers, but it is the least anime in which it doesn't look like an anime. Like it's not a traditional like looking anime because they, they use the art style from that time period in Japan to like make all their characters, not necessarily just one. Yeah. And I think it definitely looks different to conventional anime. I still think it's, it, I don't know. It fits. It fits in the Japanese anime umbrella, I feel like. It's just incredibly oh, yeah. different style-wise. Um, I think while 
it is i think uh so yeah i agree with that statement a lot like it's the most anime in that it's so ridiculous and you have to just have that mindset of like i guess this is what's happening now and i'm down for the ride and not like try and pick apart plot holes because you're just not gonna have a good time doing that um so that's in that way it's like very anime because i think a lot of shows do that and expect you to do that to intro but then the other half is um it's it felt not anime to me because i feel like i guess the themes maybe and a bit of the plot even not necessarily the, the craziness of it but just like the general underlying progression of it felt a bit more western to me maybe um i'm not sure how to describe it really but um i totally agree with that statement it simultaneously felt very anime like you have to love anime to enjoy mm-hmm. this film and then also after watching it um felt sort of i guess in the way it was structured not structured i'm Presented. struggling to yeah i'm struggling to, to to find the right word for it but yeah i totally agree with that though it's both yeah both isn't isn't very anime <laughs> Yeah, also no, true, like, just go, I go I it. agree with that because most most animes you go into like they have a specific style and a specific plot line from the outset that's very easy to get into like Attack on Titan, Attack the Titans, My Hero Academia, Be the Strongest, Dragon Ball Z, Fight the Bad Guys. But this like uh, Frank said at the beginning, changed roughly three or four times and we're getting background plots and you're starting to learn more about a background character before you're learning completely everything about the main character. And just some of those scenes and some of those events are so like stuck in your mind. And, and then when it comes back to the, to the main girl, you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. And it's, it's not that it's taking away from it. It's adding to it. It's making it a whole new experience. And and that's kind of where I agree with you with it not being anime, that we have these four clear and concise acts that don't lead up to a single goal until very late. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's completely wrapped up in the last few minutes. Mm-hmm. But um, Drew, Drew just posted in our little Discord thing, uh, just like a imager gal- gallery of just different images from the movie, in like the timeline of the movie, mm-hmm. and she doesn't get the fish backpack until after Act Two. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, I gotta go back and rewatch it and see how the hell <laughs> she gets the damn fish backpack. Fish but backpack, nice. fish backpack. Nice Looks like fish is a backpack. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks, it looks I, like she gets it at the school festival. Okay, that would make more sense. Which that that play ends at the school festival, if I'm not mistaken. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Possibly. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. The other thing I remember Frank mentioning is throughout the evening, like starting at the the first drink and whatnot the backgrounds look a certain way so we have very high detailed very intricate kind of polished backgrounds element said this by the way element said that so sorry element there you go um and then as it goes on and as the drinking goes on they change a little by little like they get more stylistic or some of the shading starts to disappear or they get 
more like exaggerated or unique and then uh by the time i believe the end of the school festival it's more of a basic kind of like a very a nicely done background but it's less it's less high detail and then when the film concludes and we get like the nice little end bit after the the storm and everyone being sick we get back to these like photorealistic backgrounds and i thought that was just such a nice thing because it it feels like you were on a journey with them you are seeing things more or less through their eyes and you're experiencing the same things there and then boom everything's done you get snap back right to reality yep completely (laughs) agree i uh, like i said i could gush about this but like i i'm honestly out of just like things i could talk about like without getting super specific into the movie or you know kind of ruining the end because like this is definitely one of those movies not a lot of people have watched i and if you have you either love it or you hate it there's no in between um uh, to me i feel like that that's that's probably what it is but um i yeah this movie to me was great i i enjoyed every moment of it i so i will say we tried having drew an element like renting it but unfortunately we're watching it online unfortunately apparently it's very difficult to find outside the united states renting wise so i rented it like on two different platforms (laughs) and said screw it put in like a dvd like a like an exterior dvd player and played the dvd off of it and just screen shared it with them so they could watch it because but like i i do want to get the point across like we gave them money to rent the movie like we we did pay for it so that way i don't feel as bad of sharing the screen with them i i eventually did as well it was just through an app i had to get for my playstation so <laughs> yeah so is i'm sorry for the people who are listening to this outside of the united states cuz this is kind of, like unless you buy the movie it is a uh, kind of a wonky one to try and find online, but just, just uh, buy if, it. You, if you can, if you can find it to rent or whatever, I would rent it first before buying it because it is one of those oddball movies. But I I ended up buying this movie back when it came out because I thought it looked so different and looked so good that I was like, you know what, I'm gonna buy this just to see how good it is, and I'm so happy with that decision. Hmm. So, would you recommend it? No, absolutely not. <laughs> this this is one of those movies like you have unless you enjoy you really like watching your anime because it, like not even necessarily like you you're a casual anime fan in which you're like I like Dragon Ball, I like I like uh My Hero Academia or One Piece or whatever other shonen if you don't like the wacky parts about it or you don't like the comedy in it or any of those shows, you're not going to like this one bit at all. I the, just sign seal deliver that notice. Um, so I would not recommend this to like normal viewers of just like casual viewers of anime. But like if mm-hmm. you're into it, you love your weird plot lines, you you like something different. Absolutely. Like this is this is right up your alley. That's interesting. Uh, I. I'm on the fence because I could see myself 
recommending this to someone who doesn't watch anime because it just doesn't look like anime it just looks like an animated movie um so in that sense it's very different um i just would i would make sure i knew about them how they follow movies like if there's someone who like typically is on their phone you know during a movie or like always asks what's happening now during the movie drives me out the wall uh i mm. would definitely not recommend it to someone like that but if there's someone who like uh tends to follow the plot pretty easily um i think i might because i think it's very different i think give it a chance right as long as you can get access to it wherever you live um because it's just so different i think there's there's a thousand and one different anime out there that you can watch movies and shows um this is just very different and it's very good so then give it a chance um and see for yourself if you like it or not i guess um yeah Okay, but, yeah, so I, um, I, I just got your message element, and I, I totally agree. So I, I would be cautious on recommending this. I would have to know someone a little bit more and their anime taste before I recommend this. Right. Uh, but I as never stands, do that. I would never recommend this review blindly. As it stands, what I might yeah. do for this one, we're going to change it up a bit. Instead of saying I picked, Frank picked, Silver picked, Element picked, Callie picked, um, mm-hmm. which she is currently banned from picking. I think we're going to Why? Up... <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Let's watch Mate in Abyss. Um, oh, who cares? Get over it. It was a great show. We had it fun. Is. It is. Um, I'm going to put up a Twitter poll. I'm going to put it up uh, for 48 hours, so for the weekend. Uh-huh. Oh. Um, it's going to be kind of weird to the people listening to this episode finding out. So follow us on Twitter. Be... I th- yeah follow us on twitter uh so you can vote on the next one so if this one takes off really well and we have a lot of fun by all means uh, and that way everyone has an equal chance so element can send me his pick frank can send me his i'll send me mine and we'll get silver <laughs> lobo sensei's pick and we'll put it in twitter poll and whoever wins that's what we're watching oh boy sure. oh boy okay i well, I'm I'm gonna just be honest. I'll refrain from giving a choice this time because nope. we did just watch Have one. To. Okay. Have to. Nope. Okay. Nope. Well, I'm. Oh boy. Uh. Okay. It's a rule. Uh, yeah. As long as you don't put our names on which choices no, which, I'm not. like then I'm just yes, it'll, it'll the be absolutely I'm be a just putting the title so nobody gets extra points oh, or less man. points. This makes me nervous because I know I know Lobo's gonna put something along the lines of like your <laughs> your lion April and I'm gonna fucking hate him if he, if he gets chosen. <laughs> Or God, a, I don't, the I don't second, cry the second season of Haruhi Suzumiya. Oh, I'm actually, I'm, I'm, Endless eight. I'm just at the end of season one of that show. Like, I'm milking <laughs> that show for all it's worth. I fucking love that show. It's, it's such it's a so great good. show. I got to, it I is... got to interview uh, way back when. I got to interview the dub cast for it. Um, they were all great. Oh my god! Yeah, no, fucking Silver Lobo Sensei. If he doesn't pick fucking your name, your, not your name, your line, April or fucking Anohana, uh, just I'll oh be no, I forgot about Anohana <laughs> <laughs> and how much I've brought it up in our group chat that I don't want to watch it again. Yeah, I guarantee you, like he's gonna pick one of those eventually. But anywho, uh, that's that's a lot of off-topic nonsense. Uh, just. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter, whether it be Bakako Podcast. Follow us individually, too, because we always retweet or tweet about it, or at least Drew and I do. Uh, yeah, Element. 
Element's not on Twitter. Don't give, I know. Him, give him a break. Yeah, him. Lobo. I, I still follow yeah, Lobo. Story, I? I don't know. I, so. I, I don't know. I haven't really checked in, in a <laughs> couple of I honestly didn't even think balls. you had I've a Twitter. Busy with work. Yeah, I didn't even think you actually had a Twitter, so that's the thing. We're looking at you, Lobo. We're looking at you, buddy. So I want to thank everyone for joining us today, both my panel of Bacas and you, the listener. We appreciate any and all feedback. And as Frank mentioned just a few seconds ago, follow us on Twitter. Uh, Bacaco Podcast is our Twitter, uh, but also Podcast at gmail.com if you want to send any information in uh, as well. Please make sure you write whether or not you want me to share your name or what you wrote uh, on, on the podcast. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. See you all then. Love you. Bye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Back up! Back up!